and welcome to WISMED On Call, a podcast from the Wisconsin Medical Society that looks at some of the top issues affecting patients and the practice of medicine in Wisconsin. I'm your host, Peter Welch, Vice President of Strategy and Partnerships. As we have shared with our listeners a number of times on this podcast, one of the top issues for our members is burnout, with over 50% of Wisconsin physicians struggling with loss of autonomy and poor work-life balance. One of the biggest frustrations for physicians is the way in which the patient information is captured in the electronic medical records. With me today to talk about how technology is evolving to remedy this issue is Brandon McCutcheon, co-founder of Phrase. So Brandon, tell me a little bit about yourself. Yeah, uh, and yeah, thanks Peter for uh, having me here today. Uh, my name is Brandon McCutcheon. Uh, I'm co-founder of Phrase, as you mentioned, uh, and currently a neurosurgery resident in uh, Rochester, Minnesota. So always glad to have a physician talking about this. So in addition to being a neurosurgery resident, you know, what is Phrase? Yeah, so Phrase, very simply, uh, is an AI medical scribe that automates the physician's documentation for them. I'm imagining this is like a doctor-shaped robot that sits there in the, in the exam room with you, right, and takes down notes? Yeah, yeah. So that would be uh, kind of an interesting manifestation of it. But I think the, 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 the better way that I often tell people to imagine kind of the way it works is imagine a device like uh, Amazon Echo or Alexa is sitting in there in the exam room with you, capturing all that audio, and then on the back end, processing that audio to generate a first draft of the note uh, for the physician. Uh, the idea of Echo being a kind of device that's in there is is illustrative, and we really are device neutral, and and our software runs on any device that has a microphone on it. Well, that's really fascinating, and we're going to dive a little bit more into the technology in a bit, but I want to take some time to get to know you better, learn about how you went from being a med student to a resident to somebody who decided to take the leap with this startup idea. So, Tell me a little bit about why you decided to study medicine. Yeah, so I think the, the biggest reason that I went into medicine, uh, really kind of three things. One, I just saw that the problems that people were solving in medicine were fascinating. Um, I think two, the, the idea uh, of the technology that, that medicine brings to bear to solve those problems was also fascinating. Really since uh, you know, graduate school, I very much have had an interest at the intersection of, of data and technology. And to be able to bring both of those things to bear uh, to really, the third piece is to improve patient care and, and, and patient outcomes. I, I think just really the culmination of those three uh, aspects has been really fascinating and really rewarding for me. So when you set out to become a physician, I'm sure you had some expectations about what it would be like. What was different? What were you not prepared for? Yeah, I think when you uh, initially envision a, a career in medicine, at least for me, I think, uh, you know, we're, we're in a society that's surrounded kind of by these Dr. House moments or uh, Grey's Anatomies. And so you, you really, it, you, you think it's going to be this kind of a adrenaline rushed, uh, critical thinking, you know, 100% of your day. And certainly while there's a lot of that in there, I, I think the biggest piece that people uh, underestimate about the career is, is how much of it is actually about uh, mobilizing resources for your patient and working within a system uh, more than kind of critical thinking itself. I'm, I'm interested um, 
if you could please sort of unpack what you mean by leveraging those resources for patients rather than the critical thinking. Yeah, so I, I think, you know, if you identify uh, a, a disease or a, di a disease process uh, and then come up with a treatment plan, I think a lot of people think that, that the challenge of medicine really stops there and it's real, that's really just the beginning. Uh, then, you know, thinking through all the complexities of, of how do you work with uh, the, the additional staff that you have to get the patient what they need, whether it be a new medication or insurance approval for surgery. Uh, after surgery, then how do you get them uh, through the rest of the post-operative care that they need, be it additional physical therapy uh, or, or subsequent follow-up? I think there's so many more complexities that go just beyond the kind of diagnostic critical thinking that, that most of us think about when they initially think about a career in medicine. So are we asking too much of physicians to be savant-like clinicians who can diagnose these, these problems, but then also help people navigate through the healthcare system? No, I think, I think at the end of the day, uh, you know, as kind of people mature in the field, that, that starts to develop uh, its kind of own intrinsic reward in and of itself. And there's a certain amount of mastery that comes from being able to operate effectively within the system. Um, I think it's just there's a probably a little bit of a disconnect from the experience you have in either undergraduate or medical school where, especially in medical school, where perhaps 90% of what you're doing is, is learning and thinking about uh, diagnoses and pathology and treatment. Uh, and, and really 10% of it when you're on the ward is, is maybe doing kind of some form of, 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 of work in, in that procedural side of things. And then in residency and actual practice, I think that ratio flips to where you're doing much more of the, the systemic uh, aspects of, of delivering care uh, and the diagnostic piece of it and, and treatment piece of it almost becomes kind of second nature. So is this a, is this a bait and switch for, as, you know, for how we're recruiting for med school? Do you think this contributes to burnout where people are going in and being trained to focus on the diagnostic side? but then they hit practice and suddenly this ratio is much more about, you know, what we've described as the facilitation of care rather than the di diagnosis of care. Do you think that contributes to burnout? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting question whether there's a way we could better select people to uh, who perhaps aren't uh, so uh, frustrated with, with kind of the, the realities of the system. But I think part of that almost then puts the, the blame, if you will, on, on physicians in a way for, for burnout. And I think in reality, when we look at the burnout literature, uh, it, it's not so much, I, I think these are the frustrations and the commonalities that people have uh, are go beyond medicine. And I think it's, they're factors that no matter who you select for, at the end of the day, you're going to have a high proportion of burnout when you uh, ask physicians to function in the way that the current system exists. Well, let's dive into that a little bit more. That's certainly a, um, a, a belief and, and an assertion that we like to promote and, and support here at the Medical Society that, yes, there are things physicians can do to protect themselves to to mitigate their own burnout but really the majority of the drivers of that are 
based on the healthcare system and the way in which the system leads physicians uh, to practice. So talk to me about how phrase fits into this. Give me the origin story of phrase. How did your experience as a young resident, the realities of the healthcare system, and your entrepreneurial attitude all sort of come together to to give birth to this idea? Yeah. So from the perspective of, of really kind of the, the genesis story for how phrase came about, um, at the time, this was probably about a year and a half ago, my co-founder, Logan, uh, who is in radiation oncology residency out at Stanford, uh, was starting to kind of play around with voice interface and, and was exper experimenting with some ideas for uh, what we could ultimately do with voice interface in healthcare. And so by voice interface, meaning thinking about systems like uh, Amazon, Alexa, Echo, that sort of thing. At the same time, I had just actually shelved uh, one of the entrepreneurial projects that I was working on and, and kind of was looking for the, the next thing that I was going to do. At the same time, uh, I had a, had a background in machine learning and, and data science. And so kind of putting all of those pieces together, took a look, Logan and I took a look at the environment and said, you know, how can we use voice interface, our background in data science, and, and tackle, uh, you know, a major problem in healthcare. And so we went in and, and kind of and did a little bit of a deep dive in, and, and really asked our, ourselves more than anything, what was, you know, the thing we hated most about uh, practice uh, nowadays? And, and it, it really always came back to this idea of doing excessive documentation, spending uh, more time uh, than expected with the electronic medical record. And I think to answer kind of a different part of the question is that we know from the literature uh, that that's the number one driver of physician burnout. And, you know, we, we've shown uh, in the literature that six out of an average 11 hour day is actually spent doing this documentation. And so we know, we, we saw this as the number one thing really affecting medicine today that, that we could really uh, tackle given our background. So the phrase website shares a couple of interesting uh, statements, and I wanted to bring those into the conversation. First, you say that phrase passively captures the conversation between you and the patient to automatically create the documentation. And second, phrase empowers patients to tell their stories and physicians to hear them while delivering compassionate and attentive care. I really liked both of those statements because I think they bookend both sides of this issue that you have the, the technological barrier that right now physicians are spending so much time actively capturing information and phrase comes in and tries to passively capture that. And then you have the emotional side of it that patients just want to be attended to and physicians want to attend. And I think that that relationship is something that's very important to our members. So tell me a little bit about how phrase comes in and disrupts this, um, this issue with burnout. How how does how will phrase positively impact and address this problem you've described? Yeah, I think that's a great question. And you know, in in addition to improving the efficiency with some of the software systems that we're using nowadays, organizations like the AMA are implementing and launching uh, initiatives like the Back to the Bedside initiative to really try to get physicians to reconnect with that time uh, spent with patients, looking patients in the eyes, 
having those meaningful connections and conversations. And, and so at the same time, we, in talking with patients, really have seen that this is also a frustration on, on their end. And so it, this has even come to the point where it's come to be known as this, the quote unquote screen between. And I think a lot of us have probably felt this where you're trying to uh, have an intimate conversation with a patient about a, a sensitive diagnosis. And instead of being able to look them in the eye, you're typing away on the computer, just trying to keep up with all your documentation. And so really we see this as a, by tackling this problem as a fantastic way to not only improve the, the provider experience and, and physician burnout, but at the same time, really be able to uh, drive patient satisfaction and deliver better care that our patients appreciate as well. So it, you're an early stage company, and I'm going to ask a sensitive question. It's a great idea. Does it work? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what we're able to do with our, our technology is a, a number of things. First and foremost, we're able to capture the conversation and, and use a bunch of tools that allow uh, the physician to quickly search over the audio and the transcript and really have a memory of the conversation that they had. Uh, which is sometimes challenging when you're doing 20 or 30 notes at the end of the day. At the same time, really the bulk of, of what we're doing is then, uh, as you alluded to previously, it's automating that documentation. And so what we can do by running, uh, having a number of unique data collection points and then running our unique classifiers and algorithms over the, the audio recording from the encounter is start to put together a first draft of that note for, for the physician. And we're really looking forward to initially launching the pro, uh, product at the end of March um, in, with, with some of our early adopters. So walk me through what my experience would be as a patient. If I'm, if I'm going into the, uh, to the exam room with a physician who's equipped with your product and, and the technology, what's it going to look like for me? Yeah, so it, you know, for the, from the patient perspective, uh, the biggest thing that they're going to notice different with our solution is that the, their doctor is looking them in the, in the eye. They have their doctor's full attention. Uh, and aside from that, all that they perhaps notice is that there's a, a smartphone or a tablet uh, or any other sort of recording device sitting on, uh, you know, the desk next to them just capturing the audio. But other than that, from the patient perspective, it, it's really a, a frictionless experience. And then for the physician perspective, you said it, it produces a sort of first draft of the documentation. What does that post-appointment uh, post experience like for the physician? Yeah, that's a great point, or that's a great question. And I think this is really a huge differentiator uh, for us in terms of being a product that's built by physicians, for physicians, is, is we think that solving this problem is as much about optimal design as it is about having more data and a better algorithm. And we think a lot of people just stop at, at that latter portion with uh, the data and the algorithm piece. And so what physicians will find on our platform where they can make any edits to the, the note that they have is a very intuitive, very easy to use platform uh, that allows them to uh, quickly make any additions or edits uh, identify any areas where the AI uh, perhaps is incorrect and account for those uh, in order to finalize their note. So 
So I want to I want to shift the conversation a little bit to to learn a little bit more about your thoughts on why physicians should be thinking like entrepreneurs. At the Medical Society, we're supportive of having more physicians, more clinicians in general, uh, be involved with the development of new healthcare technology. We're partnering with Generator, a startup accelerator here in the state, uh, to host the OnRamp Healthcare Conference this summer, where we're going to bring together health tech startups and entrepreneurs and venture capital to really talk about technology that's at the intersection of physicians and patients. Uh, I know you're, you've worked with Phrase and, and Generator's cohort in, in the Twin Cities, and clearly you share this value that physicians should be uh, thinking like entrepreneurs. Tell me your take on this. Why is that important? Yeah, I, I think it's a great question. And, you know, I think thinking like an entrepreneur uh, allows you to see opportunity where others see frustration and often stop at that frustration. And I think it's very empowering because it's, it's a lens through which you can view your day-to-day -day life and, and see uh, pain points as really opportunities to improve the way things are done. So while many of your, your colleagues may kind of stop at the identification and complaining of the pain points, uh, as with an entrepreneurial mindset, you're really empowered to, to go back uh, and think about what tools, technology, resources, systems, uh, you know, business model improvements can I make to, to make the world better from the perspective of, of this pain point that I'm experiencing in my current day-to-day -day life? So, Brandon, this is a lot to take on, and we hear from our members all the time that they're overwhelmed. You know, you said it yourself, a typical 11-hour day. I think for our listeners who aren't physicians, I think their heart maybe skipped a beat that the typical physician is, you know, working pretty long hours already. How do you find time as a neurosurgery resident to also uh, start a company? Yeah, I, I think it really comes down to two things. I think that the first and foremost is just having a, a really fantastic team. Uh, you know, and on phrase, uh, I, I mentioned my uh, co-founder, Logan, uh, who, you know, brings a really great perspective, uh, especially from kind of the outpatient clinical perspective uh, with his work as a radiation oncologist. On the technology and product side, our other two co-founders, uh, Ash and Kushwant, um, both have worked together in the past and just bring a ton of expertise uh, in taking a healthcare software product from conception to commercialization and building a production-ready uh, piece of software that, that's ready to hit the market. And so we have a lot of expertise in the team. In addition, we just recently brought on a chief revenue officer whose name is uh, Chris Merritt, who has over 20 years' experience in doing digital health uh, sales and marketing. And so, you know, within the team, we have so much expertise uh, that, you know, it, it doesn't all necessarily fall on my shoulders. So I think that's first and foremost. I think the other piece of it is, uh, being able to have a, a sense of prioritization. And, you know, with, within a startup, there's a million things you could be doing. And I think actually it's somewhat of an advantage if you have somewhat limited time in that you really have to ask yourself, what are the most important things that I need to do today? Yeah, and then I, I think that the second piece is just really having a good sense of, of prioritization and, and having the, the skill set to be able to prioritize. 
So in a startup, there's obviously a billion things that, that need to get done. And I, I think when time is somewhat limited, it really focuses your attention and allows you to be much more intentional in what you're doing versus running around uh, like a chicken with your head cut off. And so I, I think that's one of the things that really, as an entrepreneur, I've grown uh, over the last couple of years uh, in becoming more effective. Well, let me, let me ask you this, Brandon. As a physician founder, as somebody who's both starting a tech company, starting an entrepreneurial endeavor, and a physician, do you, you encounter other people in the, the entrepreneurial space who are maybe in the healthcare industry by virtue of their product, but not physicians themselves? How do you find the culture of innovation and, and entrepreneurship from the perspective of a physician, do you see people out there engaging in new technologies that are going to affect clinical delivery without being clinicians themselves? I, I think it's it's challenging to come at some of these problems from the non-clinician perspective. And I think for two reasons. The first is that there's just so much nuance to the clinic workflow. And I think if, if you're either not a physician or very, very heavily engaged with a physician in your design process and, and have really that, that keen eye for design, I think you're, you're potentially going to deliver a solution that actually creates friction for the, the physician uh, and actually adds more time to their, their day uh, than, than actually saves time. And I think we've seen some of that with the current software products on the market. I think that the second challenge with folks coming at it from a pure technology background and not having the trifecta of clinical experience, uh, technical understanding, and emphasis on design is that you really look at the world as technologies to be applied to blank. And instead of having a problem-focused approach, which I think is what a lot of clinician entrepreneurs bring to the table, I think you have a technology-focused approach where you're, you're looking at the world and saying, hey, where can I apply my technology? Uh, you know, blockchain, I think, is a great example of this. Uh, blockchain is, is very, very interesting, but I think what we see is a lot of people right now who are, are just saying blockchain has to be able to fit into healthcare and, you know, what's the space that I can make that fit rather than the other way around of, of identifying a problem and asking the question, does blockchain solve this particular problem for me? So Phrase is going to be exhibiting at our annual meeting in April. Uh, tell me a little bit about the decision to, to come and participate in that meeting. Yeah, you know, we really see ourselves first and foremost uh, as a Midwest company in, in, in terms of where we really are looking to make an impact and uh, deliver our solution. And, and we think that that's a uh, region that's previously been underserved by, uh, you know, technology uh, in the past. And so we're really excited to be able to come uh, uh, and meet with the members of the Wisconsin Medical Society and really just get to learn about uh, their experience with this particular problem, their experience with their, their current software systems, and, and really hear their ideas on, on how we can make their day-to-day -day practice better and more enjoyable both for themselves and their patients. Well, Brandon, I'm, I'm excited to continue to learn more about yours and Logan's work with Phrase, and I'm really glad you were able to join me today. 
Oh yeah, thank you, Peter. Thank you for having me. Well, this will wrap up this edition of WISMED On Call. If you liked what you heard, please visit our website at www.wisconsinmedicalsociety.org and look for future episodes wherever you get your podcasts. If you have suggestions or feedback, please send an email to communications at wismed.org. Thank you all for listening.